Welcome to the Paracelsus Guest Talk. In this episode, we dig deep into the emotional resilience, control of emotions, and vulnerability with TV personality and former Special Forces soldier, Ant Middleton. Ant is a man who had to face countless dangerous situations and some really rough patches in life. These experiences helped him to form the emotional resilience that he is now known for. He shares his experiences and stories of how he built his emotional resilience and how he used exposure to his own fears and failures to his advantage. So I'm sitting here with Ant Middleton. Thank you for taking your time to share some of your stories. Why don't you briefly introduce yourself to start? Yeah, I'm Ant Middleton. I'm a TV personality now, which sounds pretty bizarre. Um, compared to my other career, which was in the Special Boat Service in the United Kingdom Special Forces, sort of living in the shadows, and now I live in the limelight. So uh, quite an interesting career change, shall we say, but um, an exciting one. Brilliant. I mean, you have been in, the, in your old life, the one in the shadows. Mm -hmm. You've been uh, through a lot of tough experiences, uh, a lot of challenges, both physically and, uh, and emotionally. Um, and you talk a lot in your book and in your public appearances about uh, resilience, a resilience you build, a resilience that, that people need uh, to make it through the, the tough patches in life. Um, for yourself, was there a specific turning point uh, in your life that you can pinpoint where that resilience building started or was it more of a process for you? There wasn't really a turning point I would say it's been a progression of childhood, military and even leaving the military so my childhood when my father passed away we up and moved to France to moving from France back to the UK joining the military at the age of 16 I went through quite a tough patch there you know, obviously my training and my tours of duty in Afghanistan, I've done three tours in Afghanistan and then leaving the military. So there wasn't one particular turning point. It was just a progression of lots of little ones that built up to, I suppose, the biggest one, which was when I left the military and I found myself in prison. Right. So basically the resilience you built to, to deal with difficult situations particularly also emotionally difficult situations, um, was in a way for you also a, a series of chances. Um, is there any um, view, any advice you'd have for, for people who do not aim to go or don't have the chance to go uh, down a military um, training track? Because uh, uh, to build uh, uh, resilience, uh, on a level where you know they can take a lot of things and most things that that life would uh, you know sooner or later throw at them, because I would presume as a as a non not uh, a trained soldier mm -hmm. that uh, the training that you went through, especially as an as an elite soldier, uh, um, was part of a lot of that resilience that that you were able to to gather in your life. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was maybe the military. You know, there's a lot of things in life that challenge people. And it's about holding yourself accountable. It's about taking ownership of who you are uh, and ultimately taking on that challenge. And it could be the military, it could be, you know, being a parent, it could be work, it could be social life, it could be 
uh, situation that's just presented itself. I think with resilience, it's not being afraid of, of failure, not being afraid of fear, and ultimately challenging that, you know, ultimately learning from it and, uh, and exposing yourself to um, hardship, to suffering, to, uh, to adversity. That's where resilience is built up from. It doesn't have to be um, through a military program. It has to just through everyday life. But ultimately, it's about identifying that situation, taking ownership of it, holding yourself accountable and, and tackling it face on. A lot of people shy away or they have the easy option and they choose the easy, easy option. And therefore, you will not build resilience if you do that. The easy option is, uh, is something in life that's presented to us on a plate where if you decide to take, you know, decide to step off that path and to challenge yourself, that's where you build up resilience because ultimately you expose who you are, you expose your emotions and you learn to deal with them. That's what resilience is. It doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest, being in the special boat service, being in the special forces, being in the military. It's about taking on challenges that will challenge you and test you. So you're saying that... Um when we grow up as children, young adults, uh, adults, we should make conscious decisions, point and again, um, to when we have a choice to maybe not take the easy way, but set a challenge for ourselves or you know, create discomfort or challenging situation for ourselves, uh, or even seek adversity at times, uh, if it's not just thrown at us uh, in the first place. Absolutely. I think as, uh, as adults, we have that sense of duty, that sense of responsibility for our children, for our future generation to build this in them. You know, I remember when I was a, I was a youngster and uh, I was at the beach and I didn't want to get into the water. And my stepfather lifted me up and I was kicking, screaming and crying. You know, nowadays people would be like, what are you doing? You, you can't do that. He picked me up and he literally threw me in the sea. And my brothers were already in the sea, so you know it wasn't it wasn't anything dangerous. And I hit the water, and I, I hated him for about thirty seconds. But then after that, you know, you couldn't get me out of the water. I wanted to stay in the water, but the the the, the decision that I made not to get into the water, ultimately, which he you know which he flipped on its head, um, sort of gave me a new lease of life for for water. After that, I loved going to the beach. I loved being in the water. You know, I was a you couldn't get me out of the water. And it's little prominent points like that that I remember that I think, wow, that built up my resilience to, to actually try something that, that, you know, that I'm scared of or to challenge adversity. Um, and something small like that, that sticks in my head from all those years ago. But if you look at day and age now, if you look at society nowadays, if, you know, if you used to say, oh, my child was crying and they didn't want me to do this, but I forced them to do it, God, you'd be put under the magnifying glass and you'd be like, why did you do that? You know, it's these small things in life that, that, that really, really, really count. And I think we have a really big responsibility as adults to, to step up to the mark and to still have that resilience in us and, and to show our children that sometimes failure is the best option or adversity is the best option. Go down that road, figure it out. That's what being a kid is all about. And... Uh... I mean, what forms us as, uh, as kids, young adults, is a sense of achievement. Mm -hmm. So, um, presumably once you were in the water, 
and you manage to you know to keep yeah. yourself afloat and actually start enjoying it it's, uh, it's a sense of achievement uh, uh, for you um in how far do you think that's that's something that uh you experienced this way now as a positive uh, memory uh which was at the time very scary mm-hmm. um how much of that comes down to you uh, as a person who you were at the time how you ticked at the time um or do you think that's that's generally uh, applicable or could for instance another kid uh, in a different situation um um who had been uh, thrown into the water um possibly got so scared that that they they wouldn't want to see the water for another few years after that there's obviously the safe environment you know i was a good swimmer i could always swim it wasn't into a deep end it was just in the water on the beach i could stand up i was at waist height you know um but once i was wet i was wet um so you know i'm not talking about chucking someone into a dangerous situation or something where it's really going to traumatize them but just just dipping your toe literally into the ocean right yeah just progressively doing pushing this. the limits a little yeah, bit yeah pushing the limits and that's what life's about you know you push those limits you you learn something you live in this new exciting space again you push it again you live in this new exciting space, you learn something, you grow. And that's what life's about, is just constantly just pushing these limits, little by little, um, because you will learn and you will grow from it. Um, so, and that's what I do with my children. There is, uh, you touched on an interesting point there, is um, you know, pushing out of the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, an abundance of research in what, you know, what makes uh, emotionally grounded, healthy, and also uh, professionally uh, successful adults. Um, and uh, one common denominator that, that uh, you often found, found there is exactly that, is people who learned to go to the edge of the comfort zone, go beyond that edge, um, which is initially very, very uncomfortable. But at some point, because, uh, realizing with the uh, with the rewards that you get by doing that, just by feeling good about having achieved something you you know you weren't comfortable in in, in, in even attempting, mm-hmm. um, that that can build a purpose and 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 that resilience. And at some point, uh, you you learn to actually embrace those challenges, and then you choose the adversity or the more challenging uh, uh, situation possibly over the more comfortable one at some point because you know you will be uh, rewarded for that. Um, but it's probably our inner nature, um, as, 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 especially as kids, um, that we need that, that extra push. Yeah, I think, you know, this comes down to emotional resilience and emotional intelligence. You know, controlling your emotions in these situations to achieve is absolutely key. You know, I've been in situations in the military where I've had to control my emotions to get the job done. If I broke down and started crying and started shaking and then I'd put my, my, my guys at risk and I'd put myself at risk, you know, life or death situations. But I controlled my emotions to get the job done. But the moment you can learn to control your emotions, what you're doing, you're, you're exposing those, those emotions. Okay, if you let those emotions take over you, then you're not learning anything. You're not learning how to control your emotions. So emotional resilience is like, doesn't exist because the emotion presents itself. It takes you over. It's okay. You know, they're your emotion. No, take control of them. Because the more you expose a certain emotion, whether it's fear, for example, the more you expose it, the more you control it, the more you're going to learn about it. First time you might be absolutely petrified, you might sit still. You might freeze. Do it again. And it might freeze and you might take a step forward. Okay, then 
exposure, exposure, exposure. And again, you're going to learn how to control your emotions. It's like with anything else, that exposure that, you know, I'm an extreme do, I do, 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 do. I expose, 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 expose. And every time I unlayer something. So that's, 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 you know, that's the thought process that I have, whether that's emotional resilience, mental resilience, controlling fear, controlling failure. There's, they're all part of life. You know, the big things that stop us in life, that stop us from achieving is failure and fear. You know, we, we fear, boom, okay, we won't even go there. Challenge it. You know, because like you said, once you get past that and you feel like you've got that sense of achievement, even if it's a small sense, even if you fail, but you learn something about yourself, you're going to grow. Therefore, you re-attack. You re-expose that. And then you're going to learn something. That's what life's about, is this, this small progression in the right direction in life. You know, you want to be doing that till the day you die, because that's, what, that's your purpose in life. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate on it, and I, and I, and I believe that through adversity and, and hardship, um, you will be resilient both emotionally and, and mentally. And I, I, I practice that with my children. And how far do you think that's uh, what you're saying? And, uh, and, and obviously that's, that's your own experience and, and, and your reality, that this has worked very well for you. Mm -hmm. And how far do you think that's, that's a, degree, uh, a question of degree of severity? Uh, for example, um, when you know, controlling your emotions, and, and there is, you know, in the call it industry of mental health, um, um, and, and therapy and so on. Uh, there's a concept of what, so when you when you you know try to control your adverse emotions, and uh, and you do that for too long, it, it just keep them in and they build up and they eat you up from the inside, which can then uh, if you don't have an outlet, uh, if you don't have uh, anybody to talk to about uh, um, your your inner darkness, sure, it can really build to to to, to you know to something very very negatively uh, powerful uh, and some people uh, um, uh, in the end pay the ultimate price the suicide rates are, are, are staggering um, is the, so my question uh, uh, simply put um, do you think uh, what you were just saying is, is it a degree of, of severity um, or, or intensity where your approach works and if somebody just gets, you know, thrown something at them that they just can't handle, their, their mind breaks, they get traumatized. And we can talk about trauma and PTSD in, in, in a little bit. Um, is there a line? Does it depend on the person? Or do you think in principle uh, your experience could, could be true in any situation? Uh, there's, there's a difference between emotional um, resilience and emotional fatigue, you know, chronic fatigue where the, you know, the emotion is too overwhelming um, and you do go down this road of um, mental health, or PTSD, whatever it may be. Um, so there is, a, there is a fine line to it, but um, you know, again, they're your emotions. Only you know really how far you've been pushed or when you need to, when you need an outlet for as such. You know, for example, once I, when I get emotionally stressed, stressed um, let's say, I'll go out and I'll uh, do an activity. I'll go out and I'll, I'll climb a mountain, something as extreme as that, or I'll go out and I'll uh, go for a run, go for a swim. You know, I have, this, I have these outlets because I, I recognize where my outlets are. If you don't recognize where your outlets are 
and it builds up and builds up and, and it but then that's not a good situation to be in you know i'd always recommend and i always have recommended to talk it is the best outlet that you can do is talk to someone if it's too much talk to a loved one talk to a friend talk to a stranger if it makes you feel better um but there's also that line of pushing people down that avenue of talking you know i say to people you know people say to me and i don't want to talk i'm like well how do you know if you haven't done it so i'd always say to people talk because if you don't know you don't know what you know the effects it's going to have lots of people they've started talking and it's the best thing i've ever done brilliant well guess what you need to keep talking then i'll have some people say and I've, I've spoken and yeah it's done me, but it's not really for me i'd rather you know I'd rather keep it in, like I do. I do that with my father. My father's deaf from um, when I was five years old. I've, I speak about it very rarely. Um, does it do me good? Not really. Um, I prefer to hold that in. That's you know, they're, they're my memories. They're you know, they're they're a few few dark places that I don't want to revisit. But I, I manage them. Um, the moment someone's trying to really push me into that push, 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 that's when I would go the other way. I'd be right. There must be something wrong with me. Am I? Am I? Am I, am I suffering from mental health? Am I? Have I got PTSD? Have I got, you know, even from the military? And it's like, no, I'm. I'm dealing with this quite well. You know, I've talked about it a couple of times. You know, but I'm. I'm quite happy on that subject. I'm quite happy to pull that back. And that's where we've got to be really careful when it comes to mental health because you're almost some people that talk brilliant. Absolutely. Well, guess what? You keep talking to your mum, you keep talking to your parents, you keep talking to your loved ones. You're great. Then some people are like, oh, but I'm being pushed down to see a psychiatrist. I'm being pushed down. This, I don't really want to go down. And all of a sudden they're pushed into this mental health world. Okay. Well, really they don't, they're, they're quite happy just to, to, to get on and just to block that part out, which, it, you know, for me, it's worked for me. So, um, it, do, it does work for other people, you know. Um, but I've seen the horrors of both sides. I've seen, you know, soldiers suffering from PTSD that wanted to take their own lives and friends of mine, you know. And I've gone, everything I've done to, to, to prevent that. But I think once someone's made that decision that they no longer want to be here, you know, you can talk, 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 talk all you want. But you can't get into that person's head. You can't get into that person's mind. Um, and all it takes is for one action, then everything is done. Um, so there's, there is a fine balance between it. And what I mean by that also is helping the people that need help. But then there's forcing people that don't need help. We have to be really, really careful of that because ultimately what we're doing is we're categorizing everyone into one box. And ultimately all we need to do is probably just talk about that do, do this for that and then we can take him or her out of that category, out of that box. But ultimately, once you've fallen over that furlong and you've gone too far, then yeah, there's a, there's a group for that. So um, having seen both sides and having experienced both sides, I've been on that edge where I'm just like, right, you know, if I don't take, a, take charge of myself, if I, you know, if I don't try and understand what's going on, then I'm going to fall and then I'm going to, hand that responsibility over to other people when, when ultimately, you know, we have the answer. And it does take for other people to, to unlayer it and go, oh, right, I've got it. But some people are just there and just, mm -hmm. they just unlayer it and it's, it, it does a reverse effect. 
Right. Well, it doesn't help that uh, mental health is something so complex. <laughs> so exactly. you, you can't just have a two minute conversation or just look at somebody and be like, okay, uh, you know, you just need to talk to someone, but actually you need to see a psychiatrist to actually know you'll be fine. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of confusion often around it. And uh, also what doesn't help is that people who are affected and uh, you, know, uh, you had friends uh, suffering from uh, uh, PTSD, uh, you're not in a position where like, actually, I need help, um, please you know, find me someone or actually I find somebody uh, who can help me professionally. Um, there's a lot of um, um, uh, uh, denial, first of all, and it's hard to admit. It's hard to admit, actually, I've reached an emotional point where I, I can't deal with my emotions, with my, with my trauma and I need help, that's a hard point to reach. Often it's, it's friends, it's family who, who are like, you need to do something. But then you're again pushed into that. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, and, and it's often well intended. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can do more harm. That just creates a lot of uh, complexity. I think what's important is, is just uh, that uh, everybody uh, understands and accepts that there are people out there who do need help. And if we feel that we encounter someone who does, that uh, we encourage them, but in a, in, in a benign way, in an understanding way, in a listening way, not like you need to see a psychiatrist because Absolutely. you're crazy. You can, do it, you can do it very discreetly. You know, you can do these things very discreetly without them thinking that they've got a problem. Because what, the one thing that you, you don't want to do with some people is to go, you've got a problem, you know, you're not normal. Then people are like, wow. So, you know, when people keep a very close, close eye out, because when people might mention something, and you might want to just elaborate on that. Oh, what did you say about, about your, your mum or your pal that you, you, you buried after Africa? Yeah, that was good. it was good, wasn't it? We, oh, I was there, you know, we, had a, we see him off. It was, a, it was a good send off, you know. I've done that so many times. And people have done that to me. You know, I've buried, buried three, four friends, mm -hmm. very close friends um, in the ground. And then one day I be out and we'll be talking and boom I'll bring it up and I'm not you know wanted and then someone will do and before I know it I've spoken about it for an hour mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't even realize that you know it's done me so but I'll come out of it and I feel refreshed I feel very very good about it and it's just a uh, and I've, I've only spoke about it unintentionally because it came up in conversation for an hour but I know what now I know you know what my friends were doing because I do it to them you know, so there is, a, there is that way of dealing with things as well, almost the prevention before the cure. But um, well, it's part of a, of, of a uh, probably uh, um, a cure you're not, you're not aware of. Yeah, it's, it's a processing, yeah, it's a processing of emotions yeah. and, uh, and memories. Um, let me uh, get to one point that, that uh, you often mention in your book. Um, don't let anyone tell you who you are. Mm. Um, my question to you there is, um, how, how does it fit in a context when you go through uh, extreme training and, and real life missions uh, as, uh, as, as you have? You must have changed as a person. Mm -hmm. Are you still the same aunt who went to primary school? The same aunt who's lost his dad, who was bullied at school? No, no. And there's, when I mean, you know, as a child, you're going to learn, you're going to grow, you know. but. Um, what shocks me as adults, you know, when the brain is fully developed, when you're fully developed, and we'll always learn and we'll always grow. That's that's the purpose in life. But um, we now have a responsibility to to look down on our generation and go right. This now I've been mentored and, and brought up. Now it's my responsibility. Adults are looking to adults to still be brought up 
and you're like, take, get a grip of yourself, you know, take charge of yourself. You know, you should be looking down at your children or our, or our future generation and showing, leading by example. You know, I'm, the, I'm very sort of, I wouldn't say old school like this, you know, but I'm very sort of set in my ways of, you know, we're adults, we know our right from our wrong. We make, you know, there's the difference between making bad life decisions and then needing extreme help, shall we say. Um, so when you get to that level of responsibility, I believe as adults that we should, we should uphold that. Um, and yeah, people go through trauma, people go through, you know, but guess what? Everyone has a story. Everyone has been through some kind of trauma. That is life. You know, it's about understanding and grasping that actually that, that is life. That's what's made me the person I am today. I'll be different in, in 10 years' time. I'm not saying I won't change. But ultimately, I won't let people tell me who I am. How the hell are you going to know or try and tell me who I am or what I feel? Or I'm, you're not inside my body. You don't, you know, you know a bit of me, but ultimately only I know me. And it's almost that flip-reverse thing of, why wouldn't you want to know about yourself? I find it fascinating to keep learning about myself. You know, I'm, I'm revealing these new emotions, you know, or unlayering just another, another part of the emotion, you know, just, just thinking differently or seeing things differently as I get older. You know, I find that fascinating. And also it's, um, no, one, why, no one can tell me that apart from, from me. So I would never let anyone define me i let people forge you know forge me don't get me wrong i like sometimes i see people, oh i like the way they've dealt with that i'm gonna put that oh i love their attitude on that i'm gonna i'm always building on the best version of myself because ultimately my core is, is myself and you know yourself better than anyone else the real answers the true true answers lie within and guess what only we as individuals know them and i'm a strong believer in that yes you have a very reflected way of uh of uh how you see yourself, how you develop yourself, how, um, how you deal with uh, situations. Mm. Also in your book, often you describe a situation and, uh, and then you reflect on it. Mm. You know, what brought you to that decision? What was the sometimes intuitive thinking process? So um, yes, it absolutely makes the appearance that you are somebody who is well reflected on yourself and who you are and how you tick. I think uh, there's also a lot of people out there who are very confused with themselves and who they are. And, uh, and can't really put emotions into, uh, in, into place or make, make sense of uh, uh, their emotional reactions or the, their decisions. Often uh, people make uh, rash uh, decisions also uh, out of uh, impulsiveness, out of anger, frustration. It's all about, that's all about growing and learning. That's, that's life, you know, I've got no um, sort of you know, I've got sympathy towards situations and, and, and people and, and their upbringing and what they've been through. But, um, you know, it's life. It's life, you know. What, do you want to help every single person in this world? You know, it's like, it's... The moment you can take charge of yourself and take ownership of, of who you are, then, you know, I find that so empowering because I can, I can hand that over to, to other people. I can hand that over to to future generations, not, not just my children, but other children, you know, even adults and um, people older than me, you know, I, f I find, that, find that very empowering and I, I, f I find it very saddening, to be fair, that people, 
go through their life confused, never sort of really figuring it out, and and then and then dying. It's it's, it's like a it's it's a waste of life. Um, I think maybe yeah. maybe um, it would be to their benefit if they had somebody at some point in their life who pushed them to the comfort zone, for them to actually realize that more potential than than uh, they admitted to themselves. Yeah, and, I think that, I think that, that is great. That. You know, mentors are great, and you know, having the right people around you is is absolutely key. Also, I found that out later on in in my life. But um, I spent most of my childhood, most of my military career, you know, speak to my colleagues by myself. You know, I figured it out by myself, and I sat sit here as a thirty eight year old man, not figured it all out, nowhere near it, and I wouldn't want to either. Um, but you know, having a good foundations of who I am, having a foundation of like, you know, a foundation that I can build on. And I think that's what lacks with a lot of people. They haven't even got a foundation they can build on. They need that, 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 those building blocks to, to be able to start that off. A lot of people never find that in their life. And once you have that foundation, you can build those building blocks on it. I mean, that foundation in a way is, a, is an, an initial resilience, an initial sta stability. Uh, that that they can then develop uh, on base of that. Yeah, I've been I've been in so many situations in my life. The reason why I'm, uh, I'm you know I can speak so passionately and so openly about it is because I've been at the top of my career. I've been in prison where I've had nothing, where everything you know I was at the lowest of the low. I've buried friends. I've been in life and death situations. I've been in situations where I'd, if I didn't take charge of who I was and didn't take charge of my mind then I'd be in a very, very different situation to what I'm in now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the power of positivity, the power of, of knowing who you are, ultimately sets those foundations. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, just about, it's just about, you know, getting out there and realizing what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. Sitting around, moping about it and thinking about it is not, gonna, is not gonna expose what needs to be exposed that you can pick from and, and build, build on. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite a stickler for it, to be fair. Brilliant. And um, we, we briefly talked about, uh, you know, one forming uh, period of our lives, um, uh, which, is, uh, which is our childhood. Um, then there is a an period in our lives uh, um, that can be equally challenging is when we retire. And there are statistics that when people reach, you know, the official retirement age, mortality peaks. Why is that? Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, guessing uh, why that would be, and it does make sense that you know people they lose structure, they lose a sense of purpose, a sense of identity. Also, um, I'd like to talk to you uh, about this a little bit um, because you retired from from active duty, um, which was a big transition, I, uh, I presume. Uh, when professional athletes, uh, when they retire at you know probably a similar age from uh, from the the top of their career, they also have to go through a through a phase of uh, where they lose that structure. You're not you know doing the training camps. You, you don't have to uh, eat ex exactly uh, according to your schedule. Um, you're not constantly uh, tested for this and that. Um, and also, you're not out in the field anymore. So as as a, as a uh, doing what you love to do, doing what you're trained, what's been ingrained uh, uh, in, in you uh, to do every day. So often people are faced with a lot of time. 
struggling with with um, their own identity uh, and often purpose. Is that something you can relate to when when your active duty career came to an end? Yeah, absolutely. When I left the military, I thought that I could just jump into any old role. I thought I was, you know, stable enough to do that. But then the whole sense of belonging, the whole uh, identity issue comes in. And I didn't think it would have a such a major role in the transition from being a military man um, to trying to fit in into society. But um, that was really, really tough for me. Um, and I didn't really want to accept it. I didn't really want to acknowledge it. But when I look back on it now and reflect on it, you know, that was a tough transition. I made so many mistakes, you know. I, the main mistake that I made was, you know, this whole once a Marine, always a Marine, you know, and it's like, and you're not in the Marines anymore. You know, but then, well, if I'm not a Marine, who, who am I? You know, well, you're just like everyone else. You just you've got to start somewhere and, you know, you've got to build your way up. Well, ultimately, when you step out of a position of not only authority, but of eliteness at that level, and you jump into the unknown, you think you're going to start off on this level. It's wrong. You need to start, get me wrong, you're not going to start on the bottom of the ladder. You'll probably start two or three runs up, but you're not going to start on run 10. Mm-hmm. No, it's a whole new sort of reality check. Um, and that was very hard to accept. You know, you sort of, you go out, you, you think, right, you know, I've earned the, uh, I've earned this right, but you need to keep earning it your whole life. You need to keep earning that run on that ladder. You need to, you know, start somewhere. And I always say to people, no matter what career or lifestyle change you transition into, you have to start at the back of the queue, okay? But what a lot of people do, they start at the back of the queue and after six months to a year, they think they can jump out and take the shortcut because they've had such a good career before. And they take a shortcut, they get lost in and around the bazaars. And before you know it, two, three years later, they find their way back to the queue and they have to jump at the back of the queue again. And it's yeah. very, I think it's a human trade. It's we want to progress. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's why economies also always have to grow. Mm. Uh, our generation has to have it better than the last generation. Otherwise, if you had it the same quality of life, same incomes as our parents' generation, we'd be unhappy. Mm. Uh, and also this you know, traditional career tra- trajectory, people want to get promoted, they want to earn more, have more status. And, and making a step back is immensely hard. Mm. Also financially often, you know, people who, who uh, used to live uh, with, a, with a certain income level mm. um, or a certain lifestyle, um, for whatever reason they, they lose that or lose part of that, they have to take a step back. That's emotionally immensely hard. But what you must remember is we're not entitled to anything in life. You have to earn your Money, you have to earn your position, you have to earn your status, nothing, you're not entitled to anything. And I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong. They have this sense of entitlement, okay? And whether that's from being part of a hierarchy, financially, you know, up there, you know, on an annual basis, and then that whole change is like, well, look, I was getting it there, I'm entitled to it now, surely, or... I was at that position of authority, I should automatically drag that over and bring that with me. No, you've got to sort of lose that and drop that attitude. 
And this whole Zuckerberg effect, I call it the Zuckerberg effect, where people think they can be millionaires overnight. Mm-hmm. No, they think that career now is, they do an app, or six months to a year, if they haven't made a million pound, well, guess what, I'm gonna change career. And they jump over, and they do that their whole lives. But if they'd have stayed in that career, a career is 15, 20, 30 years long. You know, at the end of that career, if you work hard and you work your way up, you will, you will live comfortably. You will hopefully, you know, enjoy, enjoy your, your later, later days in life. But this whole sense of entitlement of, uh, you know, I don't need to work, I can be, you know, a millionaire within or, or a very successful careers person, whatever career you choose in, in a year or two, it's not reality, it's not real. And that's where I talk about this sense of responsibility that we have as adults. Just, just to, that, you know, that ownership and that account to hold, hold yourself accountable, show that, people, that this isn't real. You know, this, this day and age, and I'm all for, I'm very much, I move along with the times, I get it, I do get it. But also, you know, I do drag this, you know, this 30, 40% of this, this old school resilience, this old school reality of actually work ethic, respect, you know, manners, um, you know, being, being able to socialise with people, um, keeping it real, acknowledging the situation or the person for what it is. You know, no sugarcoating it. No, go, oh, I'm going to jump into this career. Well, he's on, he, in two years' time, he got up to like 100 grand a year. So, you know, no, don't, don't look at life like that. You know, and, and that's why I talk about, you know, this res- resilience. If, um, and, you know, um, it's a mental state. It's just stripping it all down to, to very, very basics, keeping it very, very simple, but keeping it real. You know, and I think that in this society now, it's just gone too far where everyone's entitled to something. People say, I, aunt, I can't find a job. I talk to 16, 17 year olds and I can't find a job. There's no job out there. I go, you reckon there's no, I, I reckon that within the next three hours, I could walk around this town center and I could find a job. Well, we're doing what? Collecting glasses at a bar, a barman. Uh, well, I don't want to do that. You know, but where, what, what do you want to, you know, you, you've got what, you've got GCSEs, what, what, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do this, in, well, to get to that level, you're going to have to, you've got 15, 20 years, boy. So, you know, it's, do you understand what I mean? So it's, it, there's this, um, there's this whole sort of reality bubble where people are like, well, you, you can do what you want, you are, you can be who you want to be, you can, Yes, to a certain extent, but get a grip. That is not real. You, well, guess what? You can't be who you want to be because you haven't worked for it. <laughs> and you can't do this because it's, it's you know, it's, it's, um, you have to go through this process, this process, and this. just because you're this, this, and this doesn't mean you're going to jump up there because that's, that's, it's not real. It doesn't work like that. You need to earn. You're not entitled to stuff. And I think, you know, there's that whole push and pull now where we're, we're too far over here where we just need to stay here move along with the times I'm over but we just need to need to bring this bring this you know realism back into into not only realism, our, yeah. ourselves but into our future generation mm. what I hear out of uh, um, out of your story is uh, is, is two things the, uh, a few points uh, that you mentioned I think you can boil down uh, to purpose you need to identify and know your purpose um, and, and at the same time, uh, you need to be pragmatic and realistic and you need to bring that together uh, in it's such a, a way. It is a hybrid. Uh, and, and I mean, some people, they do achieve amazing things in life uh, and they only do so because they've 
they've not listened to anybody else. They just be like, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to build this app or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. And don't tell yeah. me <laughs> that I need to stay on the on No, the no, but I've, I've done that. I've done that as well. You know, when I got out, people are like, you're never going to be in the Special Forces. You're never, you know, the more people tell me that, the more I want to do it. But I've still had to, you know, it still took me eight, nine years to even get on Special Forces selection. It's like with, with the media world that I'm in now, you know, sort of burst into the media world, you know, sort of three and a half years ago with one series of SAS Who Dares Wins. And they're like, and, you know, don't take that as a career, you know, go back into security because um, it's, you know, once that show's done, it's, you know, you're, you'll be a one-stop shop and, you know, and that, you know, the one thing that I absolutely hate is when people say to me, oh, and make the most of it whilst it's there. You know, yeah, yeah, go on, yeah, yeah, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And I'm like, I'm not striking anything. I'm not, I'm not taking anything whilst it's there because my 15 um, year career in the military, I very much see this new media career as 15, 20 years. I'm not striking anything whilst it's hot. I'm not taking anything whilst it's there. I'm progressively going to work my way up and through and, and to, to be the best in this world now. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, you still have to go through that process. If someone says, yeah, I don't care what you say, I love that attitude. I don't care what anyone else says. Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Well, guess what? You go and do that. Because if you believe it, I guarantee you, you will get, you'll, you'll probably get knocked down again and again and again. But your belief, you'll just learn something from it each time. Learn something from it each time. Learn, learn, learn. Then, then boom, you'll hit it. I mean, you must and have then, had that belief when you went through your yeah, training. Yeah, I, I still have that belief now. Yeah. I still have that belief now. People, you know, people, and now people are, start, people are starting to believe in me because I'm progressing. And all of a sudden, it's still like, listen, you didn't believe in me three years ago. So don't, you know, it's like, and, and again, it's what I say about people, you know, holding themselves accountable, knowing yourself better than anyone else is so liberating because whether it might be a vast dream that's mild, way out there, but as long as you believe, in it, you believe in it, you know, you keep going for that. You keep, even if you don't reach that dream, I guarantee you, you'll learn something and, and then another avenue might open up. You'll go, well, that's no longer my dream there. Actually, I'm going to, this is much more, you know, a realistic one for the moment. And you'll go off there and you might stay there for five, six years and then go, and you might eventually reach your dream, but you know, believing in what you do, there's it's, it's so many vast opportunities and there's, there's, there's so many different corridors and doors that you need to open. And as long as you believe, you will achieve. And I know it sounds cliche, believe to achieve, but there's never a truer sort of uh, expression that, um, that comes, comes to the forefront when I think of believing and achieving, because that's exactly what I do. Probably 20 years ago when you started your military career, yeah. you wouldn't have thought where, where you Never in a are 20 years. years later. Even, even 13 years later, you know, when I first joined the military and people, you know, you'd see, you know, hear about the SAS and the SBS and the Special Forces and you, you'd be like a rabbit in the head, you know, you, you never even dreamed about getting on selection, let alone being in the organisation. You know, it's just like, this is never, no, don't even go there. And things go, oh, actually, I'm quite good at this. Oh, well, actually, this person trying to, well, you know, I think I can do that. I think, again, it's just building up that self-belief in yourself. But everything starts with you. Do you remember what uh, your initial dream was when you started with your military career? As, as you know, I said, uh, you don't go in with the aim that you will go to, to pre-selection and an actual professional career. I was just plodding through life, you know. I still plod through life now. Um, I don't, 
I don't set myself goals um, because, you know, something might come up, I'm an opportunist, an opportunity might come up and that goal is, I'm off this direction there, so, that goal. so I don't do that. I very much live in the now, so I plod along now. You know, I plod along, I plod along, then I realise what I'm capable of, I realise what I've learned. I realise where I am. And I take a step back, have a good look around and go, right, do you know what, I'm going to tackle that. So I'm very much in the now person. I don't think about, you know, I don't think about next week, for example. You know, I know there's I love stuff structured for next week and planned, but I'm I'm very much a now person. I put everything into the now because you don't know what you're going to get out of it. You know, out of this interview, and you know, it might have another opportunity. You know, it's so bizarre how the work the world works. And if you don't live in the now, and you, you you're always thinking about the future or you live in the past, then again, you don't live in the real world. You know, um, there's a concept called uh, mindfulness and being in the moment. And in mental health, and particularly mental health treatment, so people who, who do seek professional help, be it uh, because they suffer from addiction or, or, or depression and so on, yep. um, being in the moment is actually a very important message for somebody like that and learning the tools to do so. You know, it can be meditation. Uh, uh, or anything if, if, if you can't naturally uh, hold that state uh, for long because uh, the future often uh, holds a lot of uncertainties anxieties the past holds uh, a lot of resentment and trauma uh, and being in the moment can be a very very powerful uh, tool for again resilience mm -hmm. and, uh, and and eventually happiness so that's something you seem to have inadvertently mastered uh, over, over time yeah, because so. you have to be in the moment a lot yeah in no your career, do you know what? Right? i think so it's not something that's been taught i think it's just the you know again and I, I suppose it, it might come back from my military days where you know every time i went on to a mission i never knew if i was going to come back or not you know so it was i had to live in that moment i had to be like right you know, am I going to live or am I going to die? There's not really much more I can, I can you know, conjure up here. Mm. It's like living it, put 100% of everything into this situation because if you have 1% distraction, it could cost you your life. So I suppose that's where it's come from. Right. So that's something, uh, one positive takeaway yeah, from, yeah, exactly. uh, from a military career. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, let's briefly talk about uh, your childhood um, uh, again. Uh, from your book and some of the uh, you know, stories you've tell, told publicly, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't an easy childhood. Your, your father passed away when you were five years old. And, uh, and after that, um, uh, unexpectedly, uh, uh, your, your mother very quickly found, uh, found another partner. You moved uh, to a different country. Um, that's uh, just looking at it from, from, from the outside. Um, without knowing the, the different uh, uh, people in that story and, uh, and the inner, yeah. inner you, yeah. um, that looks like a, a recipe for a, a troubled uh, childhood, teenagehood and adulthood. You could have easily uh, become one of those statistics of you know, a violent, drunk, uh, uh, struggling with finding a job. Um, how, how did you beat these odds? Is, was there a defining moment for you? I suppose when I look back on my childhood and when I reflect back on, um, on what happened, um, I actually, you know, take a positive from it. You know, a lot of people say, and how could you? I believe that there's a the positive to take from it, every negative. And the positive was that at the age of five, when my father passed away and a new man came into our lives within a couple of weeks and then within a couple of months, we 
completely moved to a different country. Um, I remember just the magnitude of the situation. I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, to the point where it was so vast and so big that I couldn't comprehend it. So what I decided to do is not understand or try and understand what I couldn't, especially at five years old. And I can remember just thinking, right, and I almost let it all go. Almost, I can remember just thinking, right, just don't think about it, just let it all go. And it, I can remember it almost feeling like a, a release, um, you know, the world being taken off my shoulders. And I thought to myself, understand what you can understand. I didn't realise this back then, it's only because I reflect on it now. And the, the thing that I could understand was myself. I could understand what I was doing, I could understand my emotions, I could understand what I needed to do to get on, I could understand. So from a young age of five and six, I started self-reflecting at that age. So a lot of people say, Anne, how come you're so in tune with yourself? How come you're so in touch with yourself? How come, how come you're so connected with yourself? I'm like, because I started reflecting, self-reflecting. You know, so that was your way to cope with cope the situation at the at age the of five and six. And, and when I look back at it, you know, I, I always used to think I was quite a selfish child. You know, I always used to think, right, just do what you want to do. Think how you want to think, you know, quite a stubborn child like that. You know, I always wanted to be self-sufficient, stand on my own two feet. But that's only because I could understand that. I could, underst I could understand what is understandable rather than trying to, to comprehend what either wasn't real, which was the past. You know, it's, it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's, it's gone. You know, it's, you can't possibly, you know, take anything from the past. Um, you can't reverse time, you can't go back there. And again, I suppose living in that moment, it, it was... Uh, so those, those two things, when I look back on it, I say to myself, wow, you know, when I say to people to self-reflect now at the age of 17, 18, which I try and tell them, look, what, think about yourself. Don't think about other people. Don't think about other situations. Don't let them define yourself. How are you feeling? What emotions? They're your emotions. What are you feeling? Take control of them, you know? Um, and they, I even say it to, to mid, middle-aged people, even to, to, to older people. You know, I've had, I've had older people come up to me and go, and you've shown me that it's not too late to self-reflect and to change your mindset. And these are people that are in their 60s and 70s. And I'm just like, when I think about it, I think, wow, do you know, I've had such, a, such an advantage in life or such a, uh, uh, a step ahead, you know, I've had such a, you know, from the age of five and six, so I've had, you know, it's, that is, that's why I am who I am today and that's why I think and, and why I reflect and why I'm connected with myself because ultimately I've been doing it for, for all these years. So that's actually adverse uh, time, those experiences uh, in your childhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, led to the need for you to to, to reflect, and, and that was your coping mechanism. And luckily, it was a, um, a, a positive coping mechanism that could then uh, help you build resilience and see you through life, rather than just uh, just uh, acting out in in different ways. Yeah, but when I did act out in different ways as well, I I would always think to myself, why am I acting out in this way? And why would I come back from a nightclub full of blood? Why was I fighting? Right, well, because I'm angry. Why are you angry? Because what's the trigger? That's the trigger. Right, what can I do about it? Right, talk about it? Absolutely. Um, try and dig and find out about it? No, because that happened 30-odd years ago, or whatever it was, 20-odd years ago, you know, at that stage. Um, no, you can't so cut that out. You're like, what can you talk about? It? Right, what can you find out about it? Does it make you feel better? Yes, it does. 
right, well, actually, maybe I need to drop into conversation every now and then, or maybe I need to, you know, visit my dad's grave a little bit more, or maybe, you know, it's, 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 it's these little things, but they're ultimately, I'm a strong believer in, and um, I'm a strong believer in that, 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 you know, finding that trigger, you know, find it, or finding that, that moment, you know, and then the, my moments all blur into one, you know, I can remember, you know, if I was deaf, I can remember taking sort of ownership of myself as a youngster, reflecting my, I can remember, you know, taking, not letting people define me in the military, you know, there's all these stepping stones, but um, there's no set moment um, really that, that, that I can go back to, but just reflecting, going, ah, oh, that's that trigger, because it could be different emotional breakdowns for different moments, different triggers. So everything just isn't set on my father passing away. You know, that, that emotion was, right? I've got, I get that, right, I've dealt with that. Okay, this is a different, right, you know, so that's what you've got to remember as well. And like I say to you, you know, only we, only we know that, really, if we, if we unlayer it and dig down into it um, so much. But if you do that along the way in your life, if you naturally do that along the way, rather than letting it build up, build up, build up, build up, then having to go like a Jenga set and go, right, where do we start here? You know, as long as you go, right, what's doing? Right, that's that, ding, that's that one done. Right, feeling, you know, and that's what I talk about, you know, ownership and, you know, accountability and going, do you know what? Yeah, and like you said, it's hard going, there's something here. You know, there's a problem here or there's a weakness here, like us men do, or, you know, but it's ultimately, you know, it's, it's acknowledging it when there's a niggle. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, there might be a little, and like, right, I need to deal with that. I mean, you quite uh, rightly put it, uh, uh, the term trigger, mm. um, because there's always something underlying. Mm. Um, whilst we do have certain emotions, and I'm talking about again, uh, adverse emotions, um, it, there's also a trigger why people you know, uh, um, take the bottle down off the shelf or why they lash out at someone. Uh, and that trigger is somehow rooted in our past, in, in a past trauma uh, or experience. So it, it's, it's either about identifying it and saying, okay, I make peace mm-hmm. with it and I know how to deal with it. Or when it sits much more deeper, okay, well let's, we, now we need to dig it out and process it so that it doesn't, it doesn't haunt you anymore. Um, in your um, book, you also um, uh, describe that you had a bully in your school yeah. who uh, had this uh, focus set on you. Mm-hmm. And you describe the moment where, where your stepfather told you, you don't come home before you haven't dealt with him or actually literally I told mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. before you haven't punched him. Uh, how was that experience Petrifying. for you? Petrifying. I was, I couldn't concentrate on anything else that day at school. Um, I was scared. I was lonely. But I needed to do it because otherwise I, I wouldn't dare walk through the door. Um, and it's something that was really, really forced upon me um, to the extent where, you know, if I had the easy option, then I would have taken it all day long. But um, it's something that sticks with me as well. Is I just think to myself, you know, do I take a positive from it? <sighs> yes, because I never got bullied again after that. So people will say, well, violence isn't the option. Well, it was there. Did it work? Yes, it did. You know, people don't like to hear that. 
you know. I'm not saying that that is the only way to go, but it solved that problem. Did it help you build confidence at that time? No, no, no it didn't help me build confidence. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't change me in any way apart from that I didn't get bullied. Um, but I didn't like the experience. I'm not a violent person. I'm not, you know, I've, I was always a quiet boy, you know. Um, again, you know, I'd be playing off in the woods by myself. I'd always love my own company. I wasn't, I wasn't a loner. I'd always take myself out of the you know, so, to, so you can imagine to be in that situation in, in the canteen where everyone's, that was just my worst nightmare. But um, it, it happened and, and yeah, it's, you know, with my son nowadays, um, I tell him to, you know, I always tell him to walk away. I'd be like, son, you know, if you're ever getting bullied or I say, be the bigger person and walk away. Um, um, and, you know, because people will take advantage of you in life, whether you like it or not. People live in this little bubble where they go, well, tell the teacher, what world do you live in? You know, yeah, the, the, and, but there is, there is this maturity about our youngsters that we should, we should, you know, do walk away. You know, if you'd have told me that 10 years ago, if you'd have said, Ant, takes a bigger man to walk away, I'd be like, ah, but that, you, you, you absolutely, but because of the experiences that I've been through and because I'm learning, I'm growing. Well, there's this saying, um a battle avoided is a battle won, mm. or a fight avoided is a, mm. is a, is a fight what, won. What about when a sword keeps poking you in the back? Yeah, no, exactly, but then it's not avoided. Exactly. But uh, being yeah. the bigger person and just walking away diffused the situation. Mm. It's also what you were trying to do uh, before yeah. you landed the prison <laughs> yeah, sentence, right? It was, it was indeed. Um, but um, with, with that advice, and, and I recall that uh, uh, very vividly as well uh, from, uh, from my martial arts teacher when I was a teenager, uh, every time we were learning self-defense, you know, somebody would uh, attack us with a knife. Um, before we would start in doing the exercises, uh, he asked, um, the instructor asked uh, um, everyone, what do you do when somebody pulls a knife on you? And we all together had to answer, run. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, so yeah. that's, that, yeah. that's really yeah. ingrained, just, mm -hmm. you know, walk away, run away, don't put yourself in such a situation. I'd, I would do that. If someone pulled mm -hmm. a knife on me, I'd, I'd be gone. Yeah. If they chase me a bit, it's a different story, but of course, right. of course, of course, of course. Right. And then uh, it's easy to, to translate that into a less threatening situation to say, oh, you know, I'm going to avoid that comfortable, uh, uncomfortable uh, situation. Um, but then, so from, from your story, uh, a takeaway is really, um, you need to just make uh, sensible judgments every time. Can I benefit from embracing this challenge? Or do I need to wait, uh, walk away from this because it's, this doesn't make sense, this is too dangerous? Uh... And it's also not putting yourself in those situations. It's reading the situation beforehand. You know, I'm all about, I'm all about prevention before cure. You know, if I walk into, let's say, a bar or a pub, for example, and I look in the corner and there's just rowdy people, too, you had too much to drink, I'm walking straight back out there. Um, I wouldn't have done that years ago. Um, and again, you know, you won't find me in, in, in taxi queues late at night. You won't find me, you know, putting myself in these situations. So I'm, all, I'm almost, you know, eliminating the problem before it even presents itself. And that's what I think, uh, you know, a lot of people need to do as well. Is, you know, and we know, we have this gut feeling. We have this, you know, these spider senses that go. And it's yeah. not hiding or running away. No, it's, it's not hiding. It's, it's being smart. Yeah. It's going, well, do I need to put myself in this situation? Yeah. No. 
therefore don't do it. Right, nothing good can come of it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, in your book, you, you often talk about your demons mm -hmm. and how uh, if you make friends with your demons, you can leverage them to your advantage. But you're never quite going to detail what those demons are. Mm -hmm. Would you um, yeah. share a bit? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, your demons, when you look at it, you know, for me, punching that bully um, from a young age, you know, that was me exercising my demons, knowing that it's there. Uh, growing up, you know, being confused uh, about my father, drinking, violence, you know, knowing that the, you can be violent, knowing that, you, you know, that demon is there and if it gets hold of you, then you can spiral out of control. And that's very much in the military, you know, pressing that trigger. You know, you know that you can do it. You know that ultimately that is the demon exercising himself right within you, you know, you do what you need to, needs to be done, but you never let that control you. And ultimately, when I think about it, you know, from, from a young age, when I punched that bully, I didn't want to continue punching him, or, you know, but I, I exercised the demon, but I, I, I kept him, you know, close. You know, I didn't let him run, 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 run riot. But when I look at the uh, violent situations that I've been in, you know, when uh, sort of, my mid-career, you know, my, my demons got the better of me. You know, drinking and, and fighting and, you know, I went through a stage, a couple of years of doing that. You know, that's what I talk about, you know, to getting a grip of them. And ultimately, you know, going back to being in Afghanistan and pulling that trigger, I had to exercise my demons, but not be that bully with a weapon. You know, it could have been quite easy for me and I understand how people, you know, we're like, we're like animals, you know, when you press that trigger for the first time, we're like a, a dog with a bloodlust. It's very hard to control that, not to go, you know, just go, right, kill, 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 you know, and, and, and do, what, do what needs to be done. You have to control that. You have to, to harness it to get the job done. And the, your demons can be, can be something as little as, as temptation, you know, something as little as, you know, maybe doing a physical activity and, uh, and you having to exercise the aggressor within you to get over that last hurdle, to get over that last hill, to, you know, to get over that last obstacle, whatever it may be. And it's just about not letting that control you, but ultimately acknowledging that it's there. Now, I'm sure sometimes everyone, you know, you, you want to kick the wall or you want to you know, go, oh, I want to, you know, but you control that, you make it work for you. And when it's time to let it out, you, it can actually work in your advantage. It's like for me, you know, doing the job that I've done in the military, you know, um, saving life, but also taking life is, you know, I had to exercise that demon every time I pressed that trigger. It's like a case of, I don't want to do this, you know, but, but if I don't, I'm going to die or my power's gonna die. So therefore I need to exercise that. However, if I do that, then I start going, right, well, you're gonna get it. You're gonna, then you can, be, you can find yourself in a very, very sort of uh, vulnerable situation. And especially when it's fueled with alcohol and drugs, this is what I say to people, you know, we all have demons there, but once it's clouded with alcohol and drugs, those demons are going to take charge. First of all, cut out the alcohol. Don't use that as an excuse. Take away that excuse. Cut out the drugs. Don't use that as an excuse. Don't make that, don't give that demon that fuel to, to take over who you are. And then when people do, you know, get so far into drugs and uh, I'm just like, that's your, you know, it's your own doing. It's, it's like, you know, you need to, this is where I talk about, you know, taking 
charge of yourself. If you know that's not doing you any good, I went through two years of it, so I know, I've learned the hard way. So once I cut that out of my life and I cut that out of my life, I was like, actually, wow, I'm a different person now. So um, exercising your demons is, is just acknowledging that we all have them. We all have demons and they will come out and you will know when they come out. And it's just about going, do I need it here? No, I don't even need to, he doesn't even need to pop his head up. But you might find yourself in a situation where, you, where you're friends with your demons and go, actually, I need this little bit of a, this little bit of a, you know, um, aggression or I need this little bit of, of, of push or, I, you know, I need to be someone else to get this job done. So it's... Um, so it's about learning to harness them at the right time. Harness them at mm. the right time, but also allowing them to, to exercise as well. You can't lock them away. Because the moment you lock them away, again, it's, built, it's like being built up, you know, build up, build up, build up. They want to get out, they want to get out, they want to get out. Then all of a sudden, boom, you do something and you're just like, whoa. You know, from before you know it's too late. That moment of madness can, uh, can change your life. Mm -hmm. So, What was the hardest moment for you emotionally in your life thus far? Um, the hardest time for me was being in prison, actually. When I left the military six months later, I found myself in prison. And uh, just that emotional shame of being in a, being locked up and it's such a shameful um, experience because, you know, I was spending time away from the family. I was a burden. I wasn't putting um, food on the table. I wasn't keeping a roof over their head. I wasn't bringing in any income. You know, this whole sense of responsibility that I've so proudly stand up to and I'll make sure that that's everything's done before I do anything. Yet. I was I was a burden to, to everyone, you know, and uh, it was such a shameful experience that, you know, emotionally, you know, it it was hard to 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 stoop down to those levels of uh, of being a, a burden and being uh, um, not standing up to my responsibilities or not being able to. Um, but it. it it changed my life. It changed the way I, I, I act now. It changed the way. It changed, it's changed my mindset. So the positive from it is, it's probably the best thing that probably happened to me at that stage. Because if I would have got away with that, what would I have done next? I would have felt invincible, and I would have probably done something even worse, and and spent a lot more time away from home. So there's every positive uh, from a negative. And uh, you also mentioned how it immensely helped you to have this structure of the, of the military mm. uh, environment. Um, again, in prison you were given a structure to get you mm -hmm. <laughs> back uh, uh, into, into a let's say, controlled, uh, yeah. life-controlled environment. Um, in, in mental health, structure is something that also often um, is, is, uh, is, it comes up as, as an important mm -hmm. concept or idea. And that people who do not have uh, uh, structure in their life, even self-imposed, like, okay, I get up at this time, no matter what, mm. um, and then I exercise, and, and then I eat, and then I read a mm. book, or, you know, there's a lot of people now, who, uh, especially these days, who, who have the luxury of, um, of uh, spending their day at will. Mm. Um, or again, we talked about retirement mm. uh, earlier on. Um, that structure, how, how do you make it work for yourself? Now you you don't have to be in a certain place at a, at a certain time. In theory, you can you can sleep in if you like. Yeah, um, I think you know to to start that structure off, you stop playing the victim. You know, we live in this this blame culture, this victim culture, where 
everyone's owes us something that you know we we should be given this structure um it's down to us to to, to build that structure i can remember being in prison um almost going bankrupt um on the complete bones of my ass on my back um and i felt liberated because so i thought there's only one way for me to go here only one way for me to go I didn't have no stress. I didn't have that. And I just acknowledged the situation for what it was. That's what I talk about, acknowledgement. Once you acknowledge, you can process and you can execute what needs to be done. I remember thinking, I can only build from here. I am absolutely, I've got nothing. I've, I've got, I haven't got a penny in my pocket. Just about to, I'm going to have to close the company down. You know, we just going to have to rebuild from, from the start. But I can remember just thinking, wow, I feel actually liberated. I feel refreshed. And I built that structure from, from nothing. It's almost as if, you know, I had a bit of land. Someone, you know, oh, guess what? I'm going to go and find some bricks. I'm going to, you know, structure this the way I want to now. I restructured my life in a completely different way. Mm. So um, it's, it's about, you know, accountability. It's about ownership. And I always revert back to that because it's so, so important. You know, don't think people are going to do it for you because they're not. If you want to structure your own life the way that you want it to be structured, you talk about having the liberty of sleeping. You know, I don't. There's no, there's no liberties. I, I, have, I, I, I work for my liberties. I structure my liberties in a way where, yeah, I can probably don't have to put that brick on that wall today. You know, because I've already built this foundation around me. I can, I can have probably you know have a day off and and put that brick on the next day. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm again. I just it's having having that structure in your life and building it yourself and when you build it yourself you know when you build those foundations yourself and you build that when it comes crumbling down you know exactly where it's gone wrong or what you need to do to 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 step back up to the game or step back up to the plate and get things done the moment people start doing it for you and it, then they're going to be doing it for you your whole life you know, so it's about, it's, you know, use the people around you. Don't get me wrong. Use the people around you. Use what you've got around you. Build your own structure. Make your own structure. Make it yours. Make it your blueprint. Make it your, because then no one can take it from you. And you can always, honestly, you can always revert back to it and build on it. Once those, those towers or bricks come tumbling down, boom, well, guess what? I've still got these foundations, these structures that I have built. I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly where I need to rebuild. Let's do it. That reminds, reminds me of um, what a friend told me uh, the other day is uh, success is only loaned and you're paying interest every day. So, <laughs> so when, yeah. you when you stop putting that, that interest yeah, payment in and exactly. effort in every day. But uh, it's, it's like that. It's like, you know, what is success? I don't believe in that word success. I don't like that word success. Um, Success is in the eye of the beholder. For me, success is understanding who you are and, uh, and building on, um, being happy and building on the best version of yourself. There's nothing out there that, that is, you know, what, what defines success? For me, success is, is, is within. And uh, if, you, you know, if you're happy and, and, and you understand yourself and, and you know who you are, I, I just believe that, that that in its own right is success and everything, everything will fit into place from there. I think that's a very powerful message because um, you say correctly that success lies in the eye of the beholder, yeah. and uh, and the society we live in, you know, has, has a very um, peculiar 
definitions of what's success and what's not. Yeah. And I think a lot of people uh, growing up in this environment, they get this external uh, pressure, what they need to achieve um, uh, in order to be considered successful. Uh, but even when they get there, they're not fulfilled or happy. Um, so I think it's a very powerful message about knowing yourself and, yeah. and your own purpose and being in peace and with your... And, one, the, the, and once you do know your, your inner purpose, you know, my inner purpose is to build on being the best version of myself. This is something that the purpose lies within and I will never fully fulfill that purpose or never you know, get to that answer because I'll be doing it hopefully until the day I die. That's what's going to give me purpose. I'll be on that journey, you know, pushing, 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 trying to find out who I am. But ultimately the answer, I'll get closer and closer to it, but I'll never answer that question. That is my purpose in life. And I find that fascinating. I find it fascinating that I can do that and there's nothing out there materialistic that's, that's, that's going to give me purpose. There's no, you know, it's just building the best version of myself so I can pass it on to my children. I can pass it on to future generations, I can pass it on to adult, pass it on to whoever, and they can pass it on to us. If we all had that, you can imagine if me giving you a little bundle of, of positivity, a little bundle of joy, and we all, we all, we all had that, then that, that, what, what a greater purpose than that, than, than lifting each other up and, 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 you know, um, and helping each other out. But um, sadly, that's not, not the real world that we live in. It's, uh, you know, a lot of things are materialistic and are external, but... For me, you know, if you look within, then you can't go far wrong. I think a lot of people who, you know, do struggle with purpose, who do struggle with structure, who do, uh, um, who prefer to, to stay in a comfortable uh, bubble, um, they can really benefit from your experience uh, and your message. And then there are those people who, who, uh, who are ill who are mm, yeah. either emotionally damaged through through an experience or, or they suffer from a mental illness um, and I like to compare that to to uh, you know somebody um, um, in order to run in order to go through military training for instance mm. you need to have your limbs yeah. if uh, if you lose a limb mm. uh, you can't run anymore mm. um, and with mental health uh, it's it's a very similar uh, you can use that analogy if somebody uh, has a mental illness or is so traumatized that that uh, they're not in a position to to just get stacked together sure. get through that you know use that resilience um, uh, and I think that's that's the people that that uh, um, we shouldn't we shouldn't forget Absolutely and not. and who, who who need that empathy and that help uh, to to get them to a, a point where they can walk again and then Definitely, and you know, there's so so many of us out there that want to help, and there's so many of us that that um, that need help. Um, and if you are, yeah, if you are in that situation, then absolutely, you know, it's just it's like I said, it's just like rebuilding, you know, from from your foundations. It's just, but ultimately, you know, again, you'll only accept help if you want help. You know, again, it's, it all does start with the individual. And I think with with all with anything like this, all, the the main message that I can I can deliver from this is just be honest with yourself. Now, if you're honest with yourself, you can't go too wrong. If you're honest with yourself, you go, do you know what? I need help. If you're honest with yourself and go, do you know what? I'm being pointed down this corridor. Say that that is this first footstep into this door a true footstep? No. Well, if it's not, don't take it. You know, but if but if you go, but again, there's that reverse effect of, wow, 
I actually need to take this footstep. Let's do it. And uh, you know, on both on both sides, there's, there's, there's help. On, there's help on both sides. But um, be 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 honest with yourself, and it, it it would just it would make things so much more transparent, and, and the process will be a lot easier. You know what I read out of uh, uh, your story and, and your comments now is that self-reflection, be honest to yourself, is just as much about resilience than being strong and not giving up and you know pulling something through. Mm -hmm. Because uh, that's, that's often the, the weakest point, is the, the, the one we don't even know about yeah, yeah. because we, we, don't admit, we don't admit that we have a problem that uh, we need to address, either with external help or, 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 or on their own. And especially mental health, that's tricky. You know, somebody who's very depressed doesn't have the energy, doesn't have the motivation, uh, isn't honest to themselves that actually I want to get out of this. Um, somebody who, who, uh, who suffers from addiction. Yeah, uh, often uh, the very same thing. It's like, no, it's not that bad, or I can deal with this. Um, Acknowledgement. Yeah, exactly. So that, that reflection, actually, I think that's a very powerful message uh, from, it's part of resilience. No, of course it is. And, uh, you know, it's having been sort of on both sides of it, you know, I understand both sides. Um, and, you know, it's traumatic when you do see so many people taking their lives. Um, you know, just, just, talk, just start off talking just whatever's on your mind just let it out and that one word or that one sentence might save your life brilliant and i have a last question for you Please. talking about uh purpose mm -hmm. um, meaning in life um what's what's in for you uh in 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 the future what what are your plans what's what's your purpose <laughs> now where do you see your journey going from here um i'm very much enjoying my new career um, I love uh, delivering a message. You know, I found that this career has um, very much like my last career isn't a privilege. It's very much a responsibility. You know, I inspire a lot of people as much as you know people inspire me. Um, so I've got this sense of responsibility to uphold for, especially for our future generation, about um, about mindset, about resilience, about um, you know self-discovery shall we say so um i'm very much doing stuff for people whether it's day camps i'm doing new day camps mind over muscle day camps which is physical and psychological there's um mindset um coaching and mentoring within within the physical exercise so um that's very interesting and it's very popular um more touring around the uk i've got a uk tour in september um, talking about fear, failure, um, resilience, and you know, talking about my my military background and um, about Mount Everest as well that I recently uh, recently uh, scaled. Um, so it's just getting that message out there. You know, everything that I do has a subliminal message behind it. I don't just do things for the sake of doing things. You know, because it's just that's just mundane. You know, there's got to be a purpose behind it. It's got to stay true to me and authentic to me. Um, and it's got to deliver a powerful message. Um, and I just want to share my experience. You know, I say to people, I'm not, I'm not an intellect, I'm not a bookworm. I'm just someone that comes from the university of life, you know, and uh, I just want to share, share my experiences. But um, a lot more TV, a lot more tours. And like I said, you know, you haven't seen the last of me. So <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, uh, being in the public spotlight, and as you say, more TV, more appearances, um, and you, uh, more and more people uh, know your name, know your face. 
Um, is that, how is that experience for you? Is, is, is it stressful? Uh, are you neutral about that part of it? You know, people possibly recognizing you. Yeah. Uh, also, um, you know, th there's always uh, the risk that a, a comment you make, uh, you know, can, can be picked up by tabloids in, in different contexts and all that. That's all the, the risk factors that come with, uh, with being a celebrity. As, yeah, uh, but as just acknowledging become. that that is part and parcel of it. Again, going to that acknowledgement stage, this is part and parcel of it. People stopping me in the street for sales, that's all positive. You know, people want to hear about my story. If I can make someone's day, month or year, then why wouldn't I stop and be polite? Um, things being taken out of, con um, you know, being taken out of concept, um, um, it's, that's part and parcel of it. It's acknowledging that's part and parcel of it. I'm not going to change who I am or, or change how I think or certainly be, be silenced um, through, through what I believe is, is right. And again, I do not go out to uh, offend um, you know, I, I, my actions aren't malicious. You know, I just be generally believe I have a strong stance in my, my beliefs and, uh, and they've worked for me. And if I can help tens of thousands of people that I'm helping, then I'll continue being authentic, real to myself and uh, just accepting that the situation is the situation and you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, right? So uh, that's life. Stay true to yourself. Stay true to myself. Exactly. Brilliant, man. Thank you so much for this interesting conversation. It's a real pleasure having you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And do reach out to us directly with any questions or queries you have via our website, paracelsus-recovery.com. On social media, on Facebook and Instagram, please use the handle Paracelsus Recovery. And on Twitter, Paracelsus Rehab.